Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone out there. Wes, we are back from a late night return flight from Minneapolis and the Green Bay Packers are the NFC North champions. How does that grab you? It grabs me pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I want to just put this out there. You know, you always put together the uh, like the description, the captioning, and all that for our episode the following day. Yes. When you, put, when you post the podcast on the website. Right. I'm going to give you right now your headline for that. You ready? Okay. Statement game. There you go. It was a statement game. And last week I said this in Insider Inbacks. What a better way to make a statement <laughs> and put yourself and solidify yourself in this NFC North race and NFC conference than being able to go out there and do exactly what they did to the Minnesota Vikings. It did not come without adversity. Three first-half <laughs> turnovers that is, is not for sure. the prototype blueprint for the success. And no. as Brian Belaga said afterwards, too, the fact that it was their three biggest ball players too, in that Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. Yeah, they, mean, were all, they were all guilty. They, this, it shows you, though, that guys need to raise their level of play. And, and sometimes things are going to happen to you. It's how you respond to them. The defense gives up 139 total yards, five sacks, three and a half of those belonging to Zadarius Smith, a career day for Smith, a career day for Aaron Jones, who bounced back from his own fumble to have 154 rushing yards. The Green Bay Packers went into that dome, that noise box <laughs> in Minneapolis. Yeah. And they put their foot in the ground and said, you know what? You can bring up all your videos. You can have all your fireworks. You can do all your claps. Skull chants. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what happens between those hashes for 60 minutes. And for a good portion of that, particularly in that second half, the Green Bay Packers were the better football team. Well, I tell you what, you're, you're allowed to call me a liar because <laughs> I said the Packers would have to win the turnover battle to win this game. That didn't happen. I said the Packers would have to play their best game of the season to win this game. That didn't happen. I get to call you a liar because you said Aaron Rodgers would have to play at another level. That didn't exactly happen. But None of that happened, yet the Packers still won this game, and that's just a credit to the team that they have. Now, I will say one thing to try to give myself a little bit of credit here. Sure. I did say after both of the losses to the Chargers and the 49ers, I said the Packers at some point this season, when they are on the road and they get off to a rough start, they're going to have to find a way to right the ship. They've done it at home games. They yep. hadn't done it in a road game. They did it in this game with the three first-half turnovers, some drop passes, some off-target throws, blown scoring opportunities. You only get three field goals in the first half. They righted the ship and got things squared away. A lot of credit to the defense, obviously, but also just the leadership of the team. You're talking about guys like Rodgers and Zadarius Smith and Matt LaFleur and other veteran leaders on this team that in that environment with those kind of stakes, when you get off to quite frankly, a terrible start with yeah. a fumble on the opening possession and they take over on the 10-yard line. The Packers got their act together and they did what they had to do to pull out, to date, the biggest win of the season. Yeah, and it was that gut check that you wanted to see them make in U.S. Bank Stadium. Too, yeah. Because at some point, the Green Bay Packers were going to need to win in that in that dome. And you and I are part of that. It's an open air press box. You feel that energy. Yeah, first time, first time in on. four tries, Packers were zero and three in that building. And it's not easy to to put yourselves in a situation where you give them those turnovers because then that energizes a fan base. Oh yeah. But to see Vikings fans mass exiting 
in the last five minutes of that game after the Packers were able to shut the door on it. You know, with Aaron Jones' 56-yard run, the fact that the defense would not give up. They would not give any ground. They gave up 10 points in this game, and they all were after being put in adverse field position. One of the things I put in my sidebar for the game is that they were, if you look at just the plays where the Vikings had to stay in their own, start in their own territory, eight punts, two turnovers on downs, and the Kevin King interception. Right. They gave up no ground whatsoever, and Kenny Clark talked about that afterwards. They've played good quarters. They've played good halves. This particular performance, it was about as complete as you could ask for from the defense. And then, by the way, offensively, able to rally themselves after halftime, only down one point because of what the defense had done. Right. And Aaron Jones and the running game gets going, and the Minnesota Vikings had no answer for it, especially with Eric Kendricks not being on the field. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the Vikings certainly missed Eric Kendricks on the field in the second half defensively. They certainly missed Dalvin Cook being on the field offensively for the entire game. The Vikings could not get any running game going, which made the play action pretty much useless in terms of the, the misdirection and the deception part of it. And quite frankly, Wes, the Packers just won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball here. The Packers defensive line and the Packers offensive line were the two best units on the field in this game. We saw Zadarius Smith. I don't know about you. I think you commented last week in Insider Inbox, and I did it again this morning after that performance last night. You have a performance like Smith did, three and a half sacks, five tackles for loss. He dominated at one point or another. He whipped every single guy on the Vikings' offensive line because he was lining up everywhere, and he could win anywhere he lined up. I think the guy needs to be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. He's up to 13.5 sacks right now. He's on a team. He's on a defense that, uh, that has certainly shown a lot of improvement here down the stretch late in the season, kind of rediscovering where they were in September after uh, you know some lulls there in the midseason. He's got 13 and a half sacks right now. I mean, I know they're, you know, you can talk about Chandler Jones and TJ Watt and Nick Bosa and these other guys who are going to be in there. And, and I'm and I'm not saying I'm not saying that anybody should just hand the, the trophy to Zadarius Smith, but if he's not at least being talked about for this for this award this year, I think there's something wrong because I, I think he's just had a phenomenal season. The Defensive Player of the Year award needs to be the best defensive player. Uh, Chandler Jones is an amazing pass rusher. Yeah, Nick uh, T.J. Watt has had a good season, and certainly Joey Bosa. What can you say about him? But Nick I th- Bosa, actually, I said Nick from Nick San Bosa. Fr- from I'll San throw Francisco. out Joey too. Okay, they're cousins of Jake Kumaro. Fair enough. Uh, no. Zadarius Smith, to me, is the best defensive player in the NFL right now. I'm going to actually say that. Because (laughs) if you look at the way that these dominoes play out with the variations and ways that Mike Pettin uses him, there's no one doing what he's doing right now. Yeah, And and I always sense that, right? But it was that Bill Callahan quote earlier this month. And Bill Callahan, 63, 64 years old, however long he's been coaching football. Been around a long time. Saying that he had never really seen a guy like him before in terms of he can play Rover. I wrote about this on in Saturday morning. Our schedules got kind of mixed up, so we weren't able to discuss this that much. But he plays Rover like Clay Matthews did. He plays three-tech nose tackle like Julius Peppers did. He is a Swiss Army knife of pass rushing. And then, by the way, you line him up against the guard, 
You line him up against the center, you line him against the tackle, you can even put some help out there for him. It doesn't matter. He still wins one-on-ones. Yeah. You need two people to block him at all times, and sometimes that's not enough. And the guy can stop the run, too. He's not just a pass rusher. He's he's a complete defensive player. This, But, but to your original point, this is no longer about the Pro Bowl. Who cares no. about the Pro Bowl? I, I think if, if the AP voters, which I know they do their diligence on this, I can see him being a, a, an actual first or second team all pro. I agree. And to your original point, he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation for defensive player of the year because people are having to account for him, and he's making the entire defense better now, Mike. Yeah. Kenny Clark has another sack here in the month of December. Preston Smith was getting in on it. The secondary. I, you saw this defense come together and really gel. And one of the things I asked a lot of guys in the locker room about was, did you feel this kind of coming on, like this this performance being there? And to the man, they basically said, yes, it was just a matter of doing it for an entire game and in the most hostile environment possible. It was quite the, quite the game. Yeah, seven first downs, 139 total yards for the Vikings, as you said. Pretty much defensive dominance by the Packers. You catch a couple of breaks in that the Vikings tried the trick play. They didn't execute it. Stephon Diggs misses on the throw down the sideline to Kirk Cousins. Um, and I know the Viking fans were all upset in the fourth quarter on the holding penalty that wiped out the touchdown. But take a look at that one, folks. That was a legitimate holding penalty. Kyler Fackrell's going to get to Kirk Cousins there yeah. if he doesn't get held. So for for as few flags as Bill Vinovich's crew threw in that game. He let they them play. Had, they, yeah. I love Vinovich. But yeah, and, yeah. And, his, and his crew, the stats bear it out. His yeah. crew, I believe, for the second year in a row now, they are the... Uh, the crew with the least number of flags, um, at least for sure for this yeah. year. And I know they were close to being um, the crew with the, the fewest amount of flags last year. But that one that one did ha- did have to be thrown. As I said, it really was about the line of scrimmage here because the, uh, the Packers' defensive front whipped the Vikings' offensive line. And as the game wore on in the second half, the Packers' offensive line was clearly winning yeah. the day for Green Bay. A couple of things. When you you look at what Green Bay's defense was doing in the first half with limiting those opportunities for Minnesota after the turnovers, and then the Packers' offense, even though the unit wasn't scoring touchdowns in the first half and they were only kicking field goals, the ball control, the time of possession, all all that added up to a second half where the Packers' offensive line took over. Aaron Jones ends up with two rushing touchdowns in the second half, the 12-yarder to put the Packers in the lead, the 56-yarder that's the backbreaker. He had 109 yards in the second half on the ground, right? I mean, he went over 100 yards just in the last two quarters to finish with 154. Aaron Jones... uh, and taking over the the true bell cow role with Jamal Williams uh, leaving the game in the second half with a shoulder injury. Um, the this uh, what the Packers did on the ground. I mean, as I said, you look at the the turnover differential. You look at Aaron Rodgers only having a sixty-eight something passer rating. You wouldn't think that's a formula for the Green Bay Packers to win. Certainly not win on the road and win a big game on the road. But they did, and they still did it convincingly. Yeah, and you go back to what Rodgers said after the opener against Chicago, saying that we got a defense. Right. If Wes Hotquist was walking out the field and there was any cameras on me, I'd be saying, we got a football team. <laughs> I mean, it's just the the number of ways. And this was probably the last check they had to, to kind of check off on the box with being able to actually get down early on the road in a hostile environment and finding a way to win, and not and win handily, Yeah. ultimately. This offensively, I thought, was a really telling performance because, yeah, it didn't all go right. There were a lot of things working against them early on. Aaron Jones had a 
phenomenal game, and he fumbled the ball in the third play. Yeah. And he fought through it. You look at Dropped a pass on third down that wasn't the greatest throw, but a pass he could have caught and still moved the chains, and that didn't go right early as well. But the hallmarks of this offense that have been there all year were again in play here. The receivers blocked their butts off downfield. That's what was allowed them to spring some of those big gains. This offensive line with Elton Jenkins in there, what the what they're able to do between the tackles and opening up holes, it was there. When they needed to do the stretch play, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the one sealing off the edge there, allowing Aaron Jones to get up the sideline. Alan Lazard has three catches on third down. Devontae Adams fights through his own miscue but ends up having 13 catches, the second Packer all-time to have at least 13 catches in a game, tying Don Hudson. It's not just Aaron Rodgers anymore. Mm -hmm. And that is what has allowed the Packers to be in a position that they're in right now at 12-3 and to have a 30% chance of going into Detroit and being the number one seed when they leave. Because of these type of things. And I, I just got to give a shout out too to, for J- Aaron Jones to be able to find that second gear late in that game. 23 carries, that tied the season high. I mean, there was no Jamal Williams to work off of. It had to be Aaron Jones, and he stepped up to that opportunity. Yeah, and I want to get back to, uh, to where things sit right now with the playoff scenarios, but I do need to take care of some sponsor business. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, so the Packers are 12-3. and They have clinched the NFC North Championship, first division title, since 2016. The Packers still in control to get a first-round bye. If they beat the Detroit Lions, the Packers will have a first-round bye in the playoffs. They are also still in play for the number one overall seed because of the results that happened over the weekend, namely Seattle getting beat by at home by the Arizona Cardinals. The Packers can get the number one overall seed in the NFC with a win, and if San Francisco loses to Seattle, which then would give the NFC West title to Seattle, San Francisco would drop to the five seed as a wild card, and the Packers would have the number one seed. For those wondering, can the Packers still get a first-round bye if they lose to the Detroit Lions? The answer is yes, but the Packers would also need the New Orleans Saints to lose to the Carolina Panthers in order to still get a bye with a loss. The most important thing is the Packers are in control of getting that bye. The Minnesota Vikings now are locked into the sixth seed in the NFC. They will be going on the road they are a wild card team, and they are the sixth. Even with this upcoming game against the Bears, they cannot help themselves. So it'll be an interesting decision with by Mike Zimmer wh- how how much he really plays his guys when in, they could, in effect, give themselves a little bit of a bye week and rest up yeah. for the playoffs. You, but that's a tough decision coming off of the game yeah. they just played, where they did not play well on either side of the ball. Frankly, they no, do have some guys banged up that they definitely want to get healthy for the playoffs. But I'll be curious to see here exactly what the Vikings decide um, because uh, they they cannot improve their playoff position with one game to go. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to need a tune-up fight here. I mean, <laughs> if they're really wanting to do anything in the postseason, yeah. they're going to need to be able to get some mouthwash for that performance. Uh, so I would be very interested to see exactly how they go with it. I wouldn't anticipate 
you know, if you want to keep Cook down or even Madison, I get that. But, yeah, I mean, and depending on Kendricks and yeah. you know guys like that that they they need to heal up and get healthy for the playoffs, I wouldn't expect those guys to play. But how he plays it with the rest of the guys when you know you're you're not in a you're not in a position to to help yourself in any way as far as the playoff positioning goes, it'll be an interesting decision. Yeah, and for Green Bay's perspective, this goes back to something that I've been saying for the last month, Mike. It's just win the game. Yeah, you needed to win against New York, Washington, and Chicago to make this a very relevant game and they did that yeah and there we, we yeah i was gonna say we've seen from the moment and i remember sitting in the media auditorium after after one of the packers victories waiting for matt lafleur to come in for his post-game press conference and we watched the san francisco 49ers on the television kick the last second field goal to beat the new orleans saints from that at that moment the packers were in control of getting a first round by if they could win out yeah and that's what they've done. As you say, they've kept winning, and now they're down to one more game, or if they get that win, they have a first-round bye. The Packers would be at home in the divisional round for the first time since 2014. And uh, that's uh, that, That's what's on the table here on a short week with the holiday mixed in and everything like that. The Packers still have some preparation to do, but they're going to go to Detroit with uh, plenty to play for. And that's what's kind of cool about this year's team, 2019. How wherever this season takes Green Bay, I mean, that's what I'm going to remember this unit for is that getting back to my point about it's not just Aaron Rodgers. They just they play well situationally. Mason Crosby makes a pretty darn good kick from 42 yards to get them on the board early on yep. in this one. Yeah, I mean, you needed that one for Ty- sure. Tyler Irvin has been a really good upgrade for them on punt returns. He muffed that one, but otherwise he's been exceptional. And by the way, when he did, he jumped right back on it. He didn't let it get away from him. Yeah. Um, you look at Kyler Fackrell, I thought, had a sneaky good game. I tweeted this. I mean, the pressures he was able to generate, even if it doesn't translate into the stat column or into the sacks, he was a big part of this performance. Yeah, Dean Lowry had a sneaky good game too. Dean Lowry. Kenny Clark coming on again, another four-and-a-half-sack month in December, just like he did in 2017. Clark with another December sack. He just keeps keeps making those tally marks in the snow, right? Yeah, and the question, when I was doing the Packers pregame radio show beforehand, you know, I was asked by Dennis Krause, do you feel like the way the defense is playing, this can this is a team that can win a Super Bowl? And the answer is absolutely, because as Ryan Hartwig and Duke Bobber and everybody put up our graphics afterwards, you look at the stars now on that that those faces that they have on these defenses and on offense, you, and you compare that to where they were at 365 days ago, yeah, there's, there, there's some holes, there's areas the Packers need to improve. They're by no means a complete product yet, but just the talent difference. And i got to be honest with you, Mike, I don't want to take this down a road that I'm sure you weren't expecting this to go to, but we want to talk about Zadarius Smith for – Defensive player of the year. I know there was a fun thing about Aaron Jones as the MVP or Matt LaFleur as the coach. Brian Gutekunst has to be a serious contender for executive of the year. For them to yeah. be able to have this overhaul of talent, you know, and then he hires Milt Hendrickson from Baltimore, and then they go and get Sedarius Smith. They go and get Preston Smith. That was a busy 48 hours for them. Adrian Amos holding things down in the secondary. Billy Turner has brought a lot to that right guard position, settled down a spot that had really been an upheaval for the better part of two years since T.J. Lang left. And there are just so many different things about this team that it's very special for them to be in a position now to get a first-round bye compared to where they were at last year at this time. Man, Brian Gutekunst to be the last guy that wants to take a bow, but it's pretty incredible with him and his front office what they achieved these last you know six, seven, eight months now. Yeah, the personnel overhaul uh, in one off season for this team was significant, and 
And they hit the, on all of them. It, right. It's That's incredible. The th- what I was going to say. The fact that it paid such huge dividends right away says something about about the guys that they targeted, the courage of their convictions to say, yes, it was a lot of money, but this team needs it, and these guys are worth it. And you can't argue with – I mean, to sign four free agents – you know, when the opening bell of free agency goes off, I mean, who does that? Yeah. I mean, who who has the cap space to do it, first of all, which the Packers did have the cap space to do that. But it's it, it's a gutsy play because you are you are overhauling a significant amount of starting personnel in one off season, and you cannot argue at all with any one of those signings right now. Well, this is the beautiful thing about it too, Mike, is that the Packers 2014 class. 2013 draft class, I thought those were exceptional years for them. You're not going to hit on everybody, but they found superstars in both of those draft yeah, classes. Yeah, found major, major players. 2016 is turning out to be a great year for them as well, with Kenny Clark, Blake Martinez as being a stalwart at middle linebacker, Dean Lowry, Kyler Fackrell. That 2015 was the year where they just didn't get enough from it. Yeah, it was just the two. Was. The 2015 draft is the free agency class because all exactly. Adrian Amos, Preston Smith, Zadarius Smith, they were all drafted in 2015. Now they're Packers. They just weren't drafted by Green Bay. So if you tie that together and you look at 14, 15, 16, and the the talent that came out of those draft classes in the NFL and what they were to acquire onto this roster, that's a big reason why they are where they are today. And and for them to now go into this game against Detroit. I know there are a lot of guys that are excited because they're getting Christmas off now, <laughs> uh, but they'll get back on Thursday. They'll reset after they leave the building on Tuesday. Yeah. And now you cannot look past it. Adrian Amos was the first one to point this out in the locker room. you got to keep ascending. You have to use this as a springboard into the playoffs, not as a letdown. It's not a break. But this is we're back to winnable games here for the Green Bay Packers to get themselves set up and potentially getting that by on a team that's already remarkably healthy. Yeah, well, Packers at twelve and three, one more to go with uh, with a lot in their sights here moving forward. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team. We'll still have lots of content even during the holidays on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and check out the Packers YouTube channel. Do have a very Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time.